Hi, welcome to Conversations for Life, a marriage and family podcast from Cross Life with hosts Jonathan and Kathleen. Each episode, we sit down and discuss the things that matter to those that matter most to you. We're so glad you're with us today. Please pull up a chair and join in the conversation. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Conversations for Life today. Uh, today, you're just going to have me, Jonathan, and I get the privilege of interviewing um, a wonderful woman who has written a book called Free of Me, and her name is Sharon Miller, and she's with us today. She's written a great book, and Sharon, if you can just introduce yourself and speak a little bit about uh, your book, Free of Me. Hi. Well, first of all, it's great to be here. Thank you so much, Jonathan, for inviting me. And Free of Me, uh, I guess I could, do you want me to just give you a little bit of the backstory of like the birth of the book? Absolutely. That'd be great. Okay. So I, to just kind of brief people on my background, for anyone who doesn't know me, I've been in ministry for probably about a decade now, and I uh, am a writer and a speaker, and I've uh, worked in church ministry and college ministry and just all over the place. But a number of years ago, I reached this point where I, I realized that the work of ministry itself was no longer satisfying that I had started the best way to describe it is I was for years and years and years, I'd been running this, this race of faith of, of ministry. And I was focused on Jesus, but at some point I started looking at the person who was running next to me. And then I started looking at the person who was running maybe a pace or two ahead of me. And I started to compare myself to the person next to me. And I started looking to the person ahead of me, needing their acknowledgement and needing their affirmation. Mm. And the more that I did this, it just sucked all the joy out of the work of ministry. And it made me really insecure. I became really fragile. Uh, Little things, little slights being ignored or left out would just kind of shatter me. And I, I realized that just doing ministry for God was no longer enough for me. And when I had that realization, it, it sent me on this journey of trying to figure out, okay, what is going on inside of my heart? And I decided to approach it. You know, I was able to pinpoint, okay, there's insecurity here. So I need to address the insecurity. And I, basically addressed it the way I think most people do is I started reading books about insecurity and articles and blog posts and, you know, Instagram messages. And I started reading the Bible and asking, what does God say about me and his love for me and his purpose and how he created me and just speaking all of those truths over myself and believing them. But at the end of it all, coming to a place of realizing that none of it had worked. Like none of it was actually helping me. And that sent me on a journey of figuring out, okay, something else is fueling my insecurity and I need to figure out what that is. And what I discovered along that journey became the seed of my book, Free of Me. Well, and you actually describe a story in the book that I think kind of, uh, pinpoints what you were, your, your story, where you were in a Bible study, 
Mm-hmm. And, and you were saying, you know, um, that the women were, were doing a study. It was really about identity and your identity mm-hmm. in Christ and your worth mm-hmm. in Christ. And you were saying, you know, you were there and you said, all this is really good, but this just isn't enough that there's mm-hmm. something more. Mm-hmm. Can you maybe share a little bit about that and then kind of where that took you in terms of how, mm-hmm. you know, being free of me and that idea of what, mm-hmm. what more was there that mm-hmm. you found? Yeah. Well, what I, what I realized is when I kind of reapproached the problem, I decided to also reapproach scripture and ask a different question. Cause I think a lot of times when we confront insecurity, we just say, okay, what does the Bible say about me? How can this make me feel better? Like, who am I in Christ? How can that build me up? And there is a time and a place for that. But I, I reapproached scripture and the question that I asked on kind of the second come around was not, what does the Bible say about me? But more, when people in the Bible go to God with insecurity, how does he actually respond to them? And you see people like Moses, you see people like Jeremiah, you see people like Simon Peter who come to God with these crushing um, senses of inadequacy. And Mm -hmm. they say, I'm not enough. You know, you've chosen the wrong person. Here's all the reasons why you should pick somebody else. Here's what is wrong with me. Uh, Simon Peter, his he has this identity issue where it's not just a lack of ability, but he he says, I'm a sinful man. Like, go away from me. I'm unqualified in the core right. of who I am. And what is so interesting is with each of these people, I think in our day and age, we would kind of respond to them by saying, you know, no, Moses, like you look at look at how qualified you are. You're raised in the palace. You were groomed for leadership. You know, Jeremiah, you have all this potential. And, you know, Simon Peter, we're all sinners, you know, come as you are. And that is not how God responds to any of them. (laughs) Right, Right. Instead, you know, to Moses, he basically says, you know, who gave you your mouth? (laughs) You know, who makes you speak? Is it not I? Um, go and I will give you the words. I will do this thing. And and so what he, what he's basically saying when Moses says I can't do this, God says I know I wasn't expecting you to, and he he changes the subject. He switches it off of them and back on to God. And this was a huge light bulb moment for me where I realized that whenever we talk about insecurity, we tend to talk about insecurity as you just believing lies about yourself. And so you Mm. need to speak truth over yourself. But sometimes our insecurities are rooted in truths about ourselves that aren't aren't even bad truths. It's Mm. It's just a matter of fact that Moses could not have parted the Red Sea. You know, <laughs> right, right, right. It's just he a matter of fact. On his own. Yeah, it's just a matter of fact that Simon Peter was a sinner. You know, those those weren't lies; they they were truth. And so, what what I over over time just came to realize is that what was hurting these men was not insecurity. What was hurting these men was their focus was off. Mm-hmm. They were focused on themselves instead of on God, and. What I came to realize about myself is that that is also what was going on, is that there there are two causes of insecurity. And the first is what we talk about all the time, which is low self-esteem. And I would describe that as believing lies about yourself, like things that are not true. And the gospel for sure, 100% has an answer for that. And that is the truth, truth of God. 
But there is a second cause of insecurity that we almost never talk about, and that is self-preoccupation. And when you are focused on yourself, you can see this in the story of Moses and Jeremiah, is that it raises the stakes extremely high because it turns everything into sort of a, a referendum on your value and on your ability. And so it's extremely high pressure. Wow. You're bearing all this weight that you are not meant to bear. But the the catch-22 of it all is if that is what is feeding your insecurity is an unhealthy focus on self and you respond to that insecurity by heaping affirmation on yourself, you are actually feeding the problem instead of correcting it. And well, can, that, you just, can you say that one more time? Just because I think that what you just said was really good. Okay. When, when your issue is self-focus, if that is what is feeding your insecurity and your response to that insecurity is by heaping more affirmation on yourself, even positive truthful, scriptural affirmation, you are feeding the problem instead Mm. of correcting it. And that was what happened to me. That is why all of those messages were not helping me is that I, that wasn't my problem. My self-esteem was actually (laughs) fine. (laughs) I was just focused. My eyes were fixed on me and, and I am small and I am inherently unstable. And so even when your eyes are fixed on the good things about yourself, your security will still depend on the day that you're having. If your eyes are not fixed on Christ. Wow. So I, yeah. And I've I've read your book and and, Mm -hmm. and what you just said is, is a great, um, summary of some of what you say. And I, I, as I was reading your book and even just hearing you now, I just think that, um, personally, I think that message should be preached from every pulpit and every church <laughs> because I think, because I think we tend to put a, a, a false dichotomy where it's either low self-esteem or high self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and so you get the messages that, that really hammer on, you know, our, our, our self-worth, our, our identity in Christ, our value. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And then we essentially say that's the gospel, and it's right. true. That is mm-hmm. the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. That is, I mean, every every sinner, you know, like Peter, every sinner needs to hear that message that in Christ you mm-hmm. are you are loved, you are valued, mm-hmm. you are yes. made in God's mm-hmm. image. Mm-hmm. But but what you're saying is, if we make that sort of the ultimate thing, and, and yeah. that's the only message mm-hmm. that, that, and we don't speak to preoccupation. Right. And the way that that can actually feed a very, mm-hmm. also a, 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 a very unhealthy insecurity yeah. that we're basically, mm-hmm. um, you know, not, we're, we're setting ourselves up to continue mm-hmm. that, that cycle of being insecure and never able to yeah. move beyond that. Yeah. And really, I mean, I, I think sometimes what we are unintentionally doing, if the primary message, and I mean, this is basically what Instagram is, but if the primary message is, Jesus came to earth, died, and was resurrected so that you would like yourself. Mm. That that takes all of the actual power out of the gospel. That is a human-centered gospel. And what is counterintuitive about it is that even though it, it sounds nice, is that it will not set you free. Yeah, that's great. So I'm going to ask you if you 
you know, if if you, Sharon, were able to sit down with a woman who was, or or even a man, mm-hmm. uh, but probably a woman who was who was struggling with insecurity, mm-hmm. and you could kind of, because you've been thinking about this for a while, you could sort of identify, you know, it's not really an esteem problem; it's a self preoccupation problem. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I, I I get there are a million different cases and a million, you know, mm-hmm. you can't mm-hmm. speak to everyone, but. Mm-hmm. but you know, how would you speak to someone mm-hmm. when you sort of were able to pinpoint this is something mm-hmm. in your life that I see, and, mm-hmm. and how would you kind of walk them through what what, what do they mm-hmm. what do they do? Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, let me just say this is like just a side note, but when one unintentional uh, consequence of my book that I did not anticipate, but I should have, and in hindsight, I wish I had written a little. Side note, but sometimes people have given my book to like their mother-in-law. <laughs> Right. And it's like, she needs to hear your message. She's right. really self-centered. She needs- <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's like so, find a, diet, a diet plan thing. Yeah. Right? Like, like, okay. That is not why I wrote this book. <laughs> so you can sort of like passive aggressively tell your mother-in-law right. to be less self-centered. Um, right. but anyway, that's, that's just, funny. that's great. <laughs> I think you need this message. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't need it, but you need yeah, it. Yeah, right? exactly, exactly. Um, but I think one of the ways that it has it has shaped me is I when someone comes to me and they are struggling with feeling inadequate in some way or they're wrestling with insecurity in their work in some way, you know, I, I do try and identify like, what are the lies that they are believing? Because I, I think that that is the en- the enemy will isolate us and we need to be for one another and to identify any lies that he is attacking us with. Mm-hmm. But what I, what has also actually really helped me, and I don't know if you can relate to this at all being in ministry, but when I am struggling with something ministry related, some task, or I did something and I don't know how I you know, I did some ministry accomplishment. I don't know how I feel about it, whatever. And someone comes to me and just says, you know, Sharon, you're, you're great. Like you're so incredibly gifted, you know, of course, like this is going to help people. And that actually in the moment does not make me feel any better. And I don't know if you can relate to that at all, but whenever, whenever people come to me and and say kind of harp on don't worry. Like I see these gifts in you. And it's not that there isn't a place for that, but lots of times it, it still doesn't, I don't think it, it places me in the, uh, story of the gospel, I guess, is it still sort of isolating me from the work of God by fixating on me. And what is more helpful to me in ministry when I'm doubting myself is, when people return me to who is God, like, what is he able to do? Does he even need me to be gifted? <laughs> right, right. And no, of course, in, in, in the Bible, there's plenty of people that were not gifted from a human standpoint. Yeah. And in so, fact, even Moses says, look, I'm not gifted from a human standpoint. Yeah, yeah. And there's actually, it's so counterintuitive, but it's so liberating. And and this is something that my husband and I have even leaned into with planting our church is over and over again, we just, we're just leaning into the reality that this was not our idea. Our shoulders are not big or wide enough to bear up the weight of what God has called us to. And so we're just saying, yeah, we know that we're not capable of this. We know that we can't do this, but God can. And there's so much freedom in that. And so that is what, you know, not, not that I would 
give that advice in a scolding kind of a way, but I, I think it is, I think lots of times people don't even realize it, but what they need is to be redirected to the God who is infinitely able and that our, our gifts, our abilities, our mistakes are just a blip on his screen. And so that, that has shaped how I speak into people when they're struggling with inadequacy or insecurity um, but yeah, I mean, it kind of, it just sort of depends on, um, on the person and the situation as well. Well, and then, so to take it to parenting, how, how would you, you know, I think of course I, and, and probably you are, are sort of the, the children who are the first, uh, guinea pigs of the self-esteem movement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, our parents were the ones who, who, who began to receive that message that, you mm-hmm. know, parenting, you want your children to have good self-esteem. And of course that's true, but I think, mm-hmm. and, and you pointed out in your book, you know, that, that alone is not, is not enough. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how would you, um, uh, encourage or counsel a parent who really sees that one of their main goals is to get, is to give their kids high self-esteem. Mm-hmm. How, how would you respond to that message? Yeah, you know, this is something that I'm still, I, I definitely don't want to speak as an authority because my kids are so young. Mm. And so I, I'm still learning as well. And this is something that I think through a lot. But what I try to focus on in terms of my language is I emphasize my unconditional love for my children that they are mm. unconditionally loved by me and my husband, and they are unconditionally loved by God. But other than mm. that, I'm, I don't, I actually sort of, and this is just a personal preference, but I stray away from language about how special they are. Um, mm-hmm. I even, I personally even kind of stray away from language about how I think that they can do anything. Um, I, I kind of already like I see what my kids gifts are and I see what their gifts are not. And so when my son comes to me and says like, aren't I such a good X, Y, Z. And I'm kind of like, I know actually like that's not his strength. <laughs> right. Right. Um, I don't say like, yes, a hundred percent. You're the best that ever was, you know? <laughs> right. You are the best. Ever. Um, and, that, and that's not, that's not to say that I'm also, sitting him down and saying like, we need to be, cause my son is six. I'm not like, you need to be realistic. You will never be a basketball player. You know, I don't, I don't say sure. that either. Um, but I, I am being uh, truthful and I'm also not, uh, building him up on a foundation that cannot stand. Mm-hmm. Um, I want him not to stand on human centered affirmation. I want him to stand on Christ and so that's something that I'm constantly thinking through because I, I also, I'm like the pusher child of the girl that was affirmed in every possible way right. and by my parents and my teachers. And I, I also, because of that, I also needed that, like that became a part of my identity and it can become an idol that you right. un- unintentionally hand to your children. Um, so those are all kind of different different dynamics that I'm sort of, you know, thinking through as a parent, but the, the jury is still out. 
Right. You're still, yeah, just like us. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm in the kids. thick of it. I'm in the thick of it. Well, and I, I asked because with young kids, you mm-hmm. you know, and I know how self-preoccupied kids can be. And mm-hmm. and it's just the sin nature coming out that, you know, they they want you to focus on them mm-hmm. all the time. And, right, right. And I think... Yeah. And I think if we don't distinguish as parents between what is self-esteem and what is self-preoccupation, mm-hmm. then we can easily fuel mm-hmm. self-preoccupation because we think we're building up self-esteem. Mm-hmm. In, in other yeah. words, if we focus on our kids and we make them the center, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. if our kids think that they're the center of our life and mm-hmm. we think we're doing that because we're trying to build up their, their self-esteem, mm-hmm. yeah. we actually could inadvertently be be fueling mm-hmm. this this cultural yeah. Uh, ph- phenomenon yeah. of self-preoccupation. And yeah. so as a parent, we have to, mm-hmm. I think when I was reading your book, I thought, you know, how do I get my kids to see you the difference between mm-hmm. we love you, you are mm-hmm. valued in the eyes mm-hmm. of God and, and mom and dad, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that life revolves around mm-hmm. you. Yeah. I, you know, I see with my own kids, well, they, they will manipulate that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I say, yeah. I can't look at that right now because I'm making dinner or I'm on the phone, then they pout, they cry. You don't love, you know, they don't say this to me. They'll, they'll act like I'm the worst parent ever because I'm not paying attention to them right then, right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what they're trying to do essentially is manipulate me and saying, you know, if you don't pay attention to me right now, you don't love me. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. Yeah. You know, as a parent, my, my fleshly response would be, oh no, I love you. You know, and then I stop what I'm doing. I pay attention to them. But then mm-hmm. I've just fueled that self-preoccupation Right. By thinking that I'm trying to help their self-esteem. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah. I heard recently, it was maybe on Carrie Newhoff's podcast, he had, he made some statement about how child-centered families create self-centered children. Mm-hmm. And then I heard another, um, I think it was Jamie Ivey, who said something like, we won't teach our kids, what did she say? Um we won't teach our kids to give their lives away for Christ if all they see is us giving our lives away for them. And yeah, that, that one really zinged me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but yeah, I think there's something to be said for instilling in your children, a sense of security that they are loved. Um, and that that love is rooted in something outside of them. Um, that it is a, a stable, unconditional love that no matter what kind of day they're having, no matter what they do, that that love is unmovable. I think that that is really, really important, but that love is not, you know, it's not rooted in them in some way. Like it doesn't require them to be anything. And I think that that is, there is some sort of um, unintentional messaging to our kids when we do tell them how special they are, how capable they are, it still roots their their identity and their self-worth in themselves. Mm-hmm. And that is inherently unstable. It's a it's a foundation of sand. Well, and so the the one of the last things I want to just ask you real briefly, because I know um, as you speak to in the book, and again, I would encourage everyone who's listening to to go um, on Amazon or wherever you buy books and and find uh, Sharon's book called Free of Me. Um, it's fantastic. And towards the end of the the section on on talking about you know self focus, you you speak to women who who feel really insecure about their body image. Mm-hmm. And you even have the great story in there. I won't share it because I want people to read it about the makeup. And, and <laughs> uh-huh. I thought that was a, that actually was really opening me when you, you you say, you know, I was apologizing for the face God gave me. I thought uh-huh. that was just that that really was like, man, that is a that's a great quote. Um, but of course, many women 
at least I'm, I'm here in Houston. Okay. I'm here mm-hmm. with, you know, big, big hair Texas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, I see everywhere where, uh-huh. where women, they go to church and they look amazing, right? They look perfect. They're wearing great outfits. I mean, everything. And there's, of course, there's, and I know you, and maybe you can speak to this, a balance between caring for ourselves, uh-huh. you know, expressing our, 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 our security and being able to, to wear what we want to wear and to look nice. Uh-huh. versus, you know, preoccupation and how that can fuel an unhealthy, uh-huh. uh, you know, focus on self. So maybe uh-huh. um, for the many women who listen to us, I'd love to just you share a little bit about your own journey with how self-focus related to your body image and how you uh-huh. begin to find some freedom in that through thinking about, uh-huh. wow, I'm, this is about self-preoccupation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I tell a story about talking to a woman at a women's event and she had just had a baby and she was in the the sleep deprivation survival stage (laughs) of that. I think it was her third child. And Mm. so she showed up to this event just feeling run down and she hadn't even had time to really get dressed up. And then she showed up and all the women around her just looked so pretty and put together. And I could just see in her eyes as she looked at me, this sense of, I just can't keep up. Mm. And it really, it really convicted me. (laughs) And I thought, you know, whatever small confidence boost I get from looking cute and, you know, competing kind of with the women around me or keeping up with them is basically stepping on some of my other sisters. And, Mm. you know, I think I've had this conversation recently a lot about Instagram as well, that we Mm. Instagram flourishes like the accounts that do the best are because they they look beautiful, whether it is beautiful homes, beautiful photos, or beautiful right. people and perfect families. Instagram Based is on really coveting, basically. Yeah, yeah. That's what Instagram, that's what gets you followers is if people like to look at your pictures. Mm. And, you know, there's something to be said for beauty and aesthetics and all that. But what what ends up happening lots of times is that for women, especially to grow their following, they do it by kind of preying on that. And they're feeding on the, the insecurities of other women. And I think that that's something serious that we really need to reckon with, uh, especially for those of us who are Christians or who are in ministry. Like, what is the, the trade-off here? Like, whatever, whatever extent to which you feel like you're stewarding your platform by growing it, it's kind of like at what cost. But what, what I think has really helped me to process, well, what is, what's the alternative? Because does that mean we need to just you know, wear burlap sacks and just Mm, never wear makeup and go in the opposite direction. And and I don't think that's the answer at all. I think that we find our answer in Jesus. And I think one of the things we forget is that, and I read about this, is that Jesus did care about his appearance and he, he was intentional about it, but not in the broken way that we are. He had all this glory, you know, seated at the right hand of the father he was, he was the king, you know, he was, um, all of these things and he gave all that up to humble himself and come down to earth as an act of love. And part of him becoming human, part of it was so that he could connect with us as people. And if he had come as, you know, a godly entity in all of his glory, if that had been his appearance, 
he wouldn't have been able to connect with us in the same way that he did as a human man. And I think that that gives us a couple different categories for thinking about appearance. The first is that we need to be, we need to hold our glory, our personal glory very, very loosely and to know that it can be an obstacle to other people and to give it up. Like if they're to, to constantly put that on the table and surrender it to God and say, is there something about me that is getting in the way of my witness is getting in the way of my ability to love my neighbor. Um, and to have that being a constant conversation because we are constantly being lied to by our culture. Mm-hmm. And let me add, we're constantly being lied to by other Christians who are doing this. Oh, um, so there's, there's that, but at the same time, knowing that, you know, Jesus, he came and he humbled himself, but he wasn't, you know, dirty all the time. Like, <laughs> right, right. um, you know, he, he became, I think what was helpful and effective. And so also just knowing like, what is your context and what, what appearance would be, you know, like if you're a pastor living in a, a wealthier area and you just wear, you know, gym shorts all the time, um, <laughs> right. that might not be the best, you know, bridge to right. having conversations with, you know, if, or if you're in like New York City or something or whatever your context is, if, if you're trying to reach people, knowing like what, what, how can I use my appearance as a bridge? Like, how can I be all things to all people? And I don't think there's any formula for it. I don't think there's any hard, fast rules. I think people can get really legalistic about it really fast. And um, I think there's, there's freedom in Christ and we're going to do it imperfectly. But I do think that love of neighbor does need to be, does need to kind of rule the day in this and for us to be really honest about when maybe we are loving ourselves uh, more than, you know, other people and just the subtle ways that we can, gosh, women are like ninjas with this kind of a thing. Like, I know, I know. I see it. I mean, it's it's subtle, but it's very obvious, you know. Man, it's so bad. It's so bad. And I think we need to just own it and be honest about it and repent of it because it is like we can just do you know, comparison jujitsu and just really like knock another woman down and just to build ourselves up. And and it's not even like a big buildup. Like it's a passing fades away. As soon as you see another woman got it more together than you, it's just stupid. And so just saying like, I'm not doing this anymore. (laughs) This is not loving my neighbor. Well, I think for for women, I would say, I think for women like you, uh, who are, you know, you're, you're, you're the wife of a pastor and you're also, you know, a leader in ministry. And I think probably one of the first steps is when women who are sort of the leaders in a church, either spoken, you know, formal or informal, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. like when they express freedom to mm-hmm. be themselves, that creates a culture of freedom that isn't necessarily, it's never, someone, someone never says it explicitly, right? It's not like you have to have a slogan on the wall or, mm-hmm. or, or a Bible study on it. It's just that when the women who are sort of setting the tone of the culture of the church for other women... Because I think women, I think there's a lot of sort of the sixth sense that happens among women. And, mm-hmm. you know, when, when the leadership, um, you know, communicates a certain, you know, image uh, physically, um, I think that a lot of women pick up on that, even if they're not even aware of it, just right. subconsciously mm-hmm. they pick up on it. Mm-hmm. And then it, it becomes this, this pressure cooker of you have to look a certain way. 
Mm-hmm. And I think if, if you know, in, in some churches where I've been a part of, there are women who come in wearing, you know, jogging sweatpants because they just worked out. And other women who come looking, you know, like they've, they, they're, they're done up for the day, you know, mm-hmm. and then a week later it might be different because of whatever, but there's freedom there. No one, no one's, mm-hmm. no one's, you know, there's not that same kind of pressure mm-hmm. cooker environment. And I think mm-hmm. a lot can be said for the pastor's wife and other leaders in the church who are women because mm-hmm. they, I think they set the tone even in a very subtle way of, of what things are okay mm-hmm. to do and, and that freedom, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think another helpful thing that I've done is in this area, allowing myself to be seen in ways that are not my favorite, like that are unflattering or make me feel vulnerable or, you know, not because for women, makeup is kind of like an armor and it's, it's what, you know, it's, it's something that we wear to sort of like protect ourselves and hide ourselves. And so finding like strategic ways to put that armor down because that armor is going to stand between you and your neighbor. And it feels uncomfortable. It, it's, there's like a dying to self when you post a photo of yourself that is unflattering or if you let people see you without makeup on. But I think that we need to really lean into those moments. And when it feels uncomfortable or it feels painful, just say, this clearly feels uncomfortable because there's something unhealthy in my wow. heart, <laughs> you right. know? Right. And right. so let God, let God do work in you through that as well. Well, there is a, a ton of great stuff we could talk about from your book and I, I could do it all day long, but uh, we are, we are out of time. So let me just uh, uh, ask you just as we close, you, you, you not only have written this book, you have a, you have a blog, you have a, a ministry and mm-hmm. can you speak a little bit to that for our listeners in case they want to find out more about you and about what you do? Yeah, so I have a I have a blog, sheworships.com. It is a poor, poor neglected blog right now because <laughs> we have um I just finished my second book and mm. we just launched a church and we just had a baby and <laughs> <laughs> nothing big at all. Your life is really There's, dull right now. Yeah. So I will say that's that's another thing where I've been practicing, you know, being free of me is just saying God has given me natural boundaries in my life, which means I cannot mm. do everything. And I just have to embrace that and let it be. Um, and so my blogging has not been, uh, up to date so much, but I would say, uh, Instagram has actually been a really, for me, um, a place where I am able to do ministry because it's a uh, little short, you know, it, it doesn't right, take a little short post. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I, I, I hope that especially for women that my Instagram account feels like a little, Mm. a little oasis where you're not going to follow me and just feel smaller all the time. Like I hope that it's a place where you can find truth and encouragement and be challenged with the word of God. Is that, is that link on your, your, she wor- she worships.com site? Uh, probably you can just find it. It's also just Sharon H. Miller is my okay. handle on Instagram. Okay. Um, but yeah. And then I, I travel, uh, I'm always traveling around the country speaking and that's on my website, that schedule. But, uh, my, yeah, free of me is a resource. And then my second book is coming out. I was about to ask, can we get a, a, are you allowed to give any sort of, uh, preview or anything? Yeah, I can. So it's coming out this summer. I think I haven't gotten the exact date yet, but it's called nice. Why we Mm -hmm. love to be liked and how God calls us to more. 
And it is a deep dive into something that I mentioned in the first chapter of Free and Me about growing up as this nice Christian girl. And I only wrote a few paragraphs about it in Free of Me, but I just felt like I wasn't done with it. I, I was noticing how my need to be likable, my need to be accepted, my need to get along with people was getting in the way of obedience and saying hard things and having courage and just all these these fruits of faith it was it was basically a false faithfulness that was producing rotten fruits instead of fruit of the spirit and wow. i think that i think this is true for women but i really think it's true for our culture i think that niceness is this false virtue that we really exalt Mm. And it's also how we measure other people. And because of that, we also overlook a lot of character problems. And so uh, that is what the book is about. And it's another it's another message like free of me is is a tough message. I think it's not like a I hope I wrote it from a place of humility and gentleness, but it's not like a, you know, fluffy message. And uh, this is true of the second book as well. Well, I, I hope we um, have time to have you on. I hope you have time to, to come back on when that comes out because I uh, I remember you writing about that in the book, and I thought this is really great stuff. I mean, for me, I, I definitely can can easily fall into people-pleasing, and so being okay. nice uh-huh. is very um, is basically a vehicle for an idol of self-preoccupation in a, in a very socially acceptable way. Yeah, um, yeah. And I so. look at, like, one of the things, I'll say this last thing and then I'll stop talking about it, but I look at, I think we think of niceness as simply, I'm doing it because I want to be liked, and that is part of it. But what I especially look at is that we are nice because it gets us things. Right. Out. And so, yeah. Don't and say so, that to me. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. Man. So yeah, I really like. I'm starting to feel like really fiery about it. And oh, so, man. if you if you think too, just to pray for that message that that God. Are you saying that being nice could be a vehicle for my own sin and, and selfishness? I mean, not man. at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> right. Not at all. Ouch. But yeah, so I'm really I'm excited to release that message into the world. And I with that one, I really. I just, I want to see people be the actual disciples of Christ. Like I want to see people go out into the world and take up their cross and Amen. practice a faith. Life, that that's our name. Cost, yes. That, that is costly. Um, and so that, that's the, the beating heart behind that book. Amen. Well, Sharon, thanks so much for having, for, for having the time to come on. And um, again, for our listeners, her book is called Free of Me, the one that's out now. And her one uh, will be released in the summer. We'll also uh, put out a little blurb when that comes out. And uh, Sharon has a site called SheWorships.com, and her Instagram is Sharon Miller. And we'll put all that on our website, too. Mm-hmm. Hey, Sharon, thanks so much for being on, okay? Thank you. Oh, it was my pleasure. All right, everyone. Take care. God bless. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you were blessed. If you'd like to find out more information or get additional resources, please visit our website at www.crosslifetoday.org. Until next time, take care and God bless.